Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Liam and John. How are you John? Good, I'm very good. I've got a, a long weekend now, took Friday and Monday off. Got some friends coming down, so yeah, I'm good, I'm happy. Get loose, get on the beers son, that's all I've got to say. certainly will be. Now <laughs> you Liam? Hi, not bad. Um, very cold here today, we had a good bit of snow overnight, so uh, absolutely freezing, but otherwise good. Got my hoodie on, so I'm nice and warm. <laughs> yeah, you Power Rangers hoodie, everyone. If you could see the video, hey. you'd be loving life. <laughs> nah. You see, it was the first green, it was the first green, white, and gold thing that I could find in my cupboard when I realised we were going to be on the video tonight. Yeah. I just sat down and I thought, wait a minute, I'm wearing a Ranger hoodie <laughs> to do a Celtic podcast. This is a bit dodgy. <laughs> Oops. Uh, there you go. So, <sighs> anyway, this is the right colour scheme. So, yeah. Sorry. What we'll just do is quickly just give a shout out to everyone who has subscribed to the South Down Under podcast recently. We appreciate your support. Also, we have our Facebook group, which is rapidly growing. So if anyone is on Facebook and wants to join our group, we'd appreciate that. We're currently up to 1,900 members, I think we hit yesterday. So it's some good growth in the last couple of weeks. So get involved, everyone. We'd love to see your opinions. Get on there, comment, as long as we keep it. Keep it within the group rules. Happy days. So if anyone wants to get involved in that, we're all about that. So get on there, look it up, and, yeah, get involved. Um, what we'll do is we've had a few games lately. We had three games since our last podcast a week ago. That's pretty crazy. So we'll start off with Celtic for St. Mirren nil. John, I'll throw to you about that game. What was your take on it? Yeah, um, it was really boring up until when we scored three goals really quick. I thought, um, I thought it was kind of the same old Celtic, to be honest. Simeon had chances and stuff. I mean, we definitely dominated um, possession and um, the flow of game and stuff. But um, yeah, it was nice to see um, the passage of play just get a little bit more the way that we're used to. Um, and then when all the game, when all those goals just came in, it just I think the players were enjoying themselves again. Um, Christie looked good. Rogic looked good. Um, Turnbull's just been great um, since we've had them, to be honest. And even Edward was smiling. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how rare is that? He's so cool. He doesn't normally smile, but he was. Yeah, he was happy. So yeah, it was a positive um, game for us. Yeah, it was good to see the boys out there enjoying themselves. Like I actually thought it was a. It was great to see. St Mirren not sit back and park a bus that was the thing that made that game even though it was pretty ugly for say 60 70 odd minutes of the game until yeah, as you said we hit those three goals in five minutes or whatever it was it was still good to see and up and down it was like I was watching the tennis going mm. up and down the up and down the field game it was great to see it was open both teams were willing to attack um, yeah you touched on all the players I want other than anyone I wanted to single out on top of that was in the second half when Lenny made that little tactical switch in the midfield and moved Rogic to right midfield and pushed Turnbull back into the into the number 10 role, I thought that actually unlocked both of those players' potential and they started to actually go to another level, the two of them. So, yeah, that was... As the Australian, having Rogic still in that situation, I was wrapped. It was good to see him actually getting out there and, you know, running. He so, was good in that game, for around. sure. What about you, Liam? What was your take on that game? 
yeah, it was um, it was good to see um, such an effective performance. Um, I was actually lucky because I had the I had the the following day was was a day off for me, so I was able to actually watch the, the game for once, like live. And uh, yeah, really good to see. Um, just uh, slick. The midfield looked as if it really clicked. The midfield were looking good. Defense still a wee bit shaky. Um, Edward is great when he's in the mood, but we're still not at a point where I think he's in the mood for an entire game. Um, showing in flashes what he could do. And in flashes is enough to see off a team like St. Man. No disrespect to them, but um, you know, we're going to have to up the game again for, you know, when we play Sevco again, for example. But, aye, step in the right direction, good result. Four goals to to the good is always a good result, and uh, I, I I was quite overall pleased with the performance. Come on, Liam. Well, you said no disrespect to them, but you know before that you said shots fired, and for me, I'm mm. like <laughs> their manager with the whole penalty was mouthing off and so, that sort of stuff in a couple of days after the game. So come on, shots fired, shots fired. Say what you really think. <laughs> well, all right. Natural order restored. Get it right up you. Okay then. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. That's what we like. I knew there was more to it. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Yeah, so good good result. It seemed like how weird is it to have a four nil win and then you're still like where where was that earlier in the season? Like that's what we've been seeing the last few years and how many games have we had four nil wins in in this season? Yeah. What like for one sure. or two? We've only had a couple like that, so it was um, a bit different. But how many games? How many games can you win four nil and still think, "Oh Christ, we looked really shaky there." Until we got until we got the second goal, <laughs> I was still thinking Saint Mary were going to equalise. No, no, Celtic defence this season. Yeah, ridiculous. I think that just speaks to the wider context of how the whole season's gone. Really. Um, yep. Like you say, even even when you're two goals up, you're still not fully confident at the moment. No, especially know? once Duffy come on too. <laughs> Aye, well, oh, that is that. that. Was it the Sumerian game that Welsh went off? No. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it, might. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It seems That's like ages on, ago. Yeah. It was only a week ago, but geez, three games in a week's crazy. I know, right? That's the, that's what we were talking about just before, but yeah, it's good. It's good, but all the games are blur- blurring together now. Yeah, well, well, it's good that he's back as well. It wasn't too serious because it looked horrible. All right, so then we had our next game, which was a 2-1 win against St. Johnson. I'll be honest, I don't remember too much of this game. There have been quite a few Guinnesses drunk at that point in time. So, um, yeah, well, and I was happy with the win. They went up early and then we come back, if my memory's right. So um, I'll throw this one to you, Liam. What was your take on the game? Um... Well, if we if we say that you know St. Martin was a, a a game where we kind of turned on the style a bit, St. Johnson was the other end of the spectrum where we got we got it over the line, but it wasn't pretty and it wasn't a particularly good performance. I felt, you know, showing character to to get the win after being up against it, but nah, the, the defense just does not convince me at all at the moment. We really need to sort that out. Every time St. Johnson got into our half, they looked dangerous. And it's St. Johnson, for God's sake. You know, they shouldn't... Mm. A team 
of that level, lower half of the league, should not be posing such a danger to the team that has aspirations to win the league, you know? Yeah, that's the sort of club that we should be loaning our players like Henderson and Connell and those guys to to get runs in their legs so that next season they can come in and do stuff. In the same way it was when I went to Killy. That's what that sort of team is. They shouldn't be the team challenging us and making us have to work for a win, but good luck to them. They did that pretty well, so it is what it is. It's like you said before, though, about the whole thing with the... Um you know, we don't have confidence even when we're a goal or two up. Mm-hmm. Looking from the other angle, teams like St Johnson are not afraid of us anymore, like they would have been. You know, yeah. even as recently as a year ago, they would have played us and be like, "Okay, let's try and keep it to three or four goals." If now that, it's like we can beat this mob. If that was under Rogers, they would have been like, "Okay, park the bus, two banks of five, or exactly two banks of four, and a striker and." and defensive midfielder or something like that. That would have just packed the box and said, go for it. So, yeah, they mm. think we can be got at. Yeah. Aye, exactly. Over to you, John. Yeah, I thought, this, I thought it was really bad. And I, I'm glad I, I'm glad we won it, to be honest. Obviously, I'm glad we won it. But, um, yeah, just uh, St. Johnson just made... Um, we ma- No, we made them look like fucking... Arsenal or somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like we made them look absolutely astonishing. But it was it was all of, all of our own mistakes. Their goal um was a dead simple cross into the box and it should have been fucking dealt with and it just wasn't. Um yeah, and it took it took um a bit of brilliance. Uh, well, two bits of brilliance from Edwards just to get us through that. And I do think it's good even in the I mean Champions of Leagues, right? These sort of games you need to win, right? These are the, the really shit slog games. Um, you just need to bring a win out of it. Um, so, yeah, it's good that we did that, and it's a good mentality to get into. But, God, we played so bad in that game. Honestly, talking about St. Mirren going back and forth, St. Johnson had so many chances. Um, yeah, we should have done a lot better. But, you know, like I said, a win's a win. Yep. It's, uh, so that was two... And then we get into our third win, which was this morning, our time. Celtic won, Aberdeen nil. Now I'll jump in on my quick little take on this game. One nil did not reflect how open that game was. Yeah. Um, second half, I think I would have had more fun, um, you know, getting punched in the nuts at certain points. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a nightmare to watch. When you've got some bloke like Cam Berry, who's an absolute hack, shooting from distance, just taking pot shots and hitting the hitting the post and all this sort of stuff, and actually looking like a decent striker, it was just, what were we doing? There was didn't look like there was much organ. It was great that we had Ayer as man of the match alongside Welsh. Like I thought those two cover for each other well and play well together, but there was patches where it's like we they were countering us like once we come forward with our wingers or our wing backs that's when they were hitting us and getting it out wide and doubling up on that defensively so they can push forward on the break and that's where we're catching us out like I think it was Kenny got caught out a couple of times out of position and yeah it was a couple other times as well so where Welsh was out of position because he was covering for others so yeah there's a lot of room for improvement there at the end of the day another clean sheet another win 
it's one of our catch-up games we're playing as well. That's basically our second game of the season. It's the Bolongoli Gate game. And, mm. um, yeah, we've got those three points. So happy days, I suppose, are in the bank. But, yeah, I'll throw it to you, John. What was your take on the game? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I um, will add that Turnbull's goal was uh, fucking sensational. That was, very, that was enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah, 1-0 <laughs> did not reflect how open that game was. And, <laughs> I mean, just re- refreshing my memory and stuff from this morning, there's some of the um, Aberdeen uh, chances hitting the post and Christ almighty. It was a nervy game. A lot of people were saying it was dead boring, right? And it was a, it was a torture to watch. I was nervous the entire time. I couldn't. I did, my heart was in my throat the entire time, and yeah, I just felt like that was going to come away with a draw. It was that type of game, to be honest. And Aberdeen are quite good at doing that. I mean, um, what was it last season? The season before Boxing Day, it was like three three, and we won four three or some shit like that, or some sort. And it was just back and forth all game, and. Um, yeah, Aber- this game had that sort of Aberdeen look about it. Aberdeen is shit just now, though. What is it, like, seven games in a row they haven't scored in? Or six? They're going through a similar run that we would, what we had in when we got back from Dubai and a bit before that. So they've got, they're going through a similar sort of thing. And, yeah, like, like if that game ended up 4-3, that would have been, like, you look and go, yeah, that makes sense. If it was 1-0, yeah. no. Nah. If it was... Six yeah. to seven or whatever, you'd be like, yeah, okay, that's the sort of game. Was that it was that open? Um, yeah, Christie's chip as well. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, it that was, was a, good, good was effort a, for once. He actually, you know, lowered his eyes and tried something instead of just blasting it into Rose Ed. So, yeah. I also think there was a lot of chat online as well about um, a penalty shout uh, for Aberdeen, which was, and I forget, I forget who the Dunch player was, um, but he just sort of. I tried to chip it or cross it into the box and he just smacked Welsh's hand. Actually, I, don't, I actually don't know how the um, rules of football work anymore when it comes to handball in the box. Yeah, now, I, I actually looked that up because I thought the same thing and how the rule is is they changed it so it doesn't. it's not an automatic penalty, it's now a grey area. So he had his hand up and then as the ball was come in, he, as he was kicking it, he'd lowered his hand down, so it was in a natural position alongside him. It didn't have to be against his leg. It just had to be in a natural position. Yeah. Because they kicked the ball into his arm. He's not expected to make like basically cut his arm off so it's not there or hide it. So it's play on. So the ref actually got that call right on this season's rules, but in the last decade, that would have been a penalty. Yeah, I, it, it's really weird, right? It's this natural silhouette thing, right? So if it hits your hand and you're in a natural silhouette, it's not a penalty, but if whatever your whatever the rules are or the ref determines is not a natural silhouette and it hits the hand, it's an automatic penalty. Even like if they're sliding in and it fucking hits, it's on the ground or some shit. I don't know. Really weird. I don't think anybody fucking understands it, but I don't think it was a... I mean, even back at like proper rules, right? When it was like, right, that's ball to hand. It's not a handball. You've just pelted it at his hands. Clearly not a handball. So I don't know. I think it was just clutching at straws from Don's. Now, Liam's got this look on his face like he's got a good spiel ready to go. So, over to you. (laughs) No, just talking about the penalty thing. um, Now, feel free to look this up on YouTube later on, whatever. If I remember correctly, there was a near identical penalty in the World Cup that was given. Um, I think it was France 98, Italy against Norway, first round. Baggio 
Roberto Baggio got the ball on this on the, the side of the, the, the touchline and just flicked it off the Norwegian defender's hand. He waited for the guy to move and consciously flicked it off the guy's hand and got a penalty kick and Italy won one nothing. That was the only goal of the game. So when as soon as I saw that last night, I was like, that's it, that's that that's that Baggio penalty all over again. But you're telling me now the the, the rules have since been changed. Because my instinct was like, going on what I'd seen before, that's a penalty. Yeah, but it's odd. if yeah. the rules have now been changed that, that that's not an automatic penalty, then I guess I can see how we got away with it. But well, mm, well, I found out about it. I, I, was, I, did, I was an Aberdeen fan. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were hard done by. To me, like growing up, that was a penalty every day of the week. And I was looking at it, and there yeah. was one similar in the A-League over here. I can't remember what game it was that it wasn't, it wasn't called. So what the new ruling, what what the head of the referees over here was saying was if say if you kick the ball Liam if you're kicking it and it and I'm the defender and it hits my mm. body and then goes onto my arm that's not a handball anymore if it bounces right. off the ground into my hand in a natural position it's not a handball anymore the key thing okay. is as John was saying that silhouette that natural position so the fact that he's got his hand down alongside his, where his arm would normally be you can't be penalised for that now but to me, that's still not right. But there's a really big, wide conversation about how stupid that rule is because there's like there's a lot of like ex-players and players just now are discussing. It's like there's like biomechanics involved, right? You know, yeah. if if a player is sliding in or jumping, for instance, if you need to jump to, that requires you to move your your hands above. I don't know, fucking your hips or whatever it is, right, to get a certain height. That's a natural movement, right? Yeah. But in the rules that it is now, it's not considered the natural silhouette. It's literally got to be like a, you know, like a cardboard cutout of a person standing still. And if it's anything outside of that area, and here's your hand. Is it hand is the it other hand thing ball? that they did change was if you slide tackle, and you know how people used to put the ball through and it hit the defender's hand on the ground. Yeah, that's no. If that's alongside along the length of your body, that's no longer a penalty. But if it's like your shoulder and then your arm is up and it hits you behind, then that's a penalty. That's how ridiculous it is. It's like they expect these referees in the spur of the moment to be supercomputers and know everything about biomechanics and that. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I hate grey area. But the yeah. thing is, if that was outside of the box on Welsh, would we be even having this discussion? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. That'd yep. be one you see probably two, three times every game getting let go. So, but because it was in the box, suddenly it's a big, big talking point. And also, I don't like any of these rules where it's at the referee's discretion. That should never happen. It should be either it's a it's a foul or it isn't according mm. to the rule book. Like you say, these grey areas. That's where the honest mistakes creep in. You know, talking. Yeah. You give referees the leeway to do things like that now it worked in our favour last night but it could easily go against us in the next game talking about grey areas yeah. though like what I find annoying is it's and it's, it ties in slightly is like when you get a referee and if you get you play against a team anytime they get touched they fall down and roll they get the whistle every time the game stops constantly mm. if you're a team trying to play an up-tempo game like Celtic does right what happens? We get the foul. Our guys try to ride it out and then play on, so it's the advantage straight away. You make, yeah. They then get the advantage. It goes one pass further down, and then it's turned over or whatever. How's if you're going towards the sideline? How's that an advantage? Mm. So, 
when you look at some games afterwards, it's like they got all these free kicks. We didn't. But then you look and it's like the foul counts are pretty much there's only one or two different. And I'm looking at that going, referees, grey area, how the hell does that work? Because mm. he's going play on all the time. And when you see, when you've got a team like Rangers, for instance, who have got a couple of centre-backs who are good from set pieces, like you look at us the first time we played them and they beat us at, at, at home, Goldson with his couple of headers he scored, they were off free kicks that were given just not just outside the box where guys went down, in my opinion, pretty easy. Yet we had guys riding out the same tackle and not falling down and it was called just play on. So yeah. we didn't get the same opportunities. So to me, grey areas in refereeing is an absolute um, frustration point for me, to be honest with you. There's also on top of that the question of like how many fouls constitute a booking. Yeah, and because there's no set in stone rule for that. I mean, I, I wrote an article on this back in December. I don't know what the stats are now, but at the time I wrote this article, um, Rangers were committing an average of 11.5 fouls per yellow card. Celtic, it was about 7.5. So basically, they were getting away with four more fouls than we were per yellow card that they received. I'd also like to see those numbers for specific players as well. Aye, aye. Yeah. Fredo, Fredo. Yeah. <laughs> Getting away with 24 per yellow card. No, per talking to and 50 per card probably. Mm. That's, that's, I mean, it's it's shocking, but it's not surprising, those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Just That's just outrageous. Would you guys bring in VAR then into the Scottish game? Depends who's operating the VAR in, yeah. in like the bunk operating it because we have it over here in the A-League. And they've had three different versions of it. So my local team over here, Melbourne Victory, we played a grand final away against Newcastle Jets. Now, in the, about the 17th, 18th, 19th minute, something around that, we scored the only goal of the game. Now, our centre-back, who won the first header off the free kick, was onside. But the guy he flicked it onto was offside. Everyone watching it could tell it was offside. We were all watching it at a supporters club. What happened? The VAR was down for a five-minute window during the game. They lost their connection. So, so the referees, yeah. So the referees on the on the touchline are told if if you're unsure, keep your flag down. The VAR will review it. So he kept his flag down. Our guy scored because there was no VAR. Then the goal has to stand because referees didn't call anything. Bloody and we won a competition. We won a grand final that way. So. Like, I'll look at it and go, it's an absolute shambles. Like, that was the first year they had it. But then you've got other times where they've then tried it with the match official comes over and reviews on the sideline on a screen. They also had it where it's the fourth official reviewing on the sideline on a screen. And then they've also had guys in the bunker, like what I was talking about in that situation, doing it. So there's been three different ways. And Mm. you never know from season to season how the VAR is going to be ruling. And it depends on who's reviewing. Is it the match official? Because if it's them... In my opinion, that's the best way, except that it stops the game, stop, start, stop, start, and you're getting 10 minutes each half of stoppage time because he's got to stop, talk on the earpiece to the to the other refs, go over and run over, look at a screen, come back out, make his call, a guy gets sent off, they've then got a truck, they take 10 years to walk off the off the field. So depends on depends on the process you're going to have, but it is needed. I think it, I think it will kill the game. 
in Scotland, to be honest. I think it would remove all the passion. Imagine um, us scoring a goal against them and then everyone's fucking cheering. Yeah! And then you see this. And And exactly. And now everyone's like having to sit and wait. It's like, oh no, wait. And they might have called that. You'd all you'd be cheering, but you'd be watching the linesman, or you'd be like tentatively not. Yeah, you tip on swivel. You're like, where I look, bobblehead. And and you can see that, and with all like the forensic use of VAR in the English game, it's like that. That stuff just it baffles me. I don't. If we're gonna, if we do it in Scottish football, I want none of that. I don't want like you know minutia of every single oh see his um his arm hair was offside there so that's an offside and then i like the old know. rule that it was okay doesn't matter where his arm and his head are like if he's leaning forward to sprint just because his shoulders further in front of the shoulder of the defender doesn't mean he's offside because it should all be what the original rule was is where the attacker's feet are compared to the defender's feet because that's what's or connecting you to the ground a part of your body that you can score with yeah that's what they're saying. So you can shoulder it or header it in now, but you can't get there if you don't take that step. So that's if your hand is offside, does it really matter? It's, not, it's the hand. You, you don't have to know if you use it. I mean, the, the other thing with it as well is that, like, VAR is not this magic bullet that's going to suddenly solve what we see as the corruption with Scottish referees, because. Every decision, it's still at the referee's discretion if he wants to go to VAR or not. Mm. He can get the word in his ear. He can ignore it if he wants to. Yeah, and there's also it's, it's certain situations. Yeah, in certain situations as well, like if the ball doesn't go out of play, he can't go and review things. So if teams get clever, like we see it over here now where there's like a, a hard tackle and everyone's like, oh, that could be a potential 50-50 yellow or red. So then the team mm. whose player that was, they just hold onto the ball and just kick it around for ages, just for a minute or two, whatever, and then have a shot, whatever. And then by that point, the ref's not going to then going to want to run over, review something from two, three minutes ago. Oh, yeah, that's a red card and come and book someone. Because what would have happened if that team had a scored in that intervening two minutes when that guy should have been off the field? It's going to make the ref look like an idiot. Mm. Yeah. The teams just hold onto the ball now and pass it around so they can guarantee their teammate alone to get a yellow. Yeah. I just think it should be used similarly to the way they do in rugby union, to be honest. And it's just when, when the passive players stopped. I don't know what you're saying about players being smart, but players are always going to do that, to be honest. Play the ref and try and find ways of bending the rules, if you like. But yeah, passive play stops and then something gets reviewed and then not... and and. It either is or isn't put back. No, I think it's a better way of doing it than this fucking. And then just a big screen that says the decision. What's the decision you're making? And then what's the result? That's all you want to know. A bit of transparency. That would stop all the corruption with the certain refs being the VAR room and stuff. And hey, I don't. I'm not a fan. Don't make you guys. No. I, like I would like it if it was done properly. I don't think it's being done properly at the moment. Agreed. To me, it's all about the um, I like the human element of football. Players misplace passes, you know. People they miss shots. Managers make bad subs. Referees miss the occasional call here and there. It's the human element of the game. That's what I grew up. That's why I liked football in the first place, like this. But when it stop start, stop start, yeah. 
I can live with that mistake because what's the best thing? You go to work on a Monday, you're talking to someone, oh, this happened, should have been a, it should have been a red card, but it was only given a yellow and it gives you something to talk about. The water cooler talk with the VAR, I don't want to be talking about the referees and how the VAR got it wrong. I want to be talking about what the players were doing. So, I don't know. I'm not a massive fan of it. Yeah. I agree. I'm not. So, next topic we've got. There was two statements sent out by the club on, was it Monday our time? Neither good. Interesting. Let's, so we'll start off with the first one. Celtic PLC interim report. So they've gone through operational highlights. Currently second in SPFL premiership. How's that a highlight? Anyone? <laughs> Winners of the Scottish FA Cup season 19-20 for the fourth season in a row. Yeah, that's last season though. Yeah. 17 home fixtures, 21 at this point in 2019, the conclusion of the most successful decade in the history of the club with 20 trophies won. Financial highlights, revenue decreased by 23.7%. Loss of trading was 300,000 Um Profit from player transfers was a million. Down from twenty three million the year before. Lost before tax five point nine million. Um, acquisition of player registration, so it's signings twelve point twelve point seven million. Period net cash at the end of the bank is at nineteen point seven million, down from thirty two point nine million. Then there was a whole massive collection of words. That's how I summed that one up online on the Twitter account. Um, he's gone on a bunch of talking there. I want to thank people, blah, blah, from Bankia. I'll throw it over to you, Liam, because I'm sure as the journalist in our mix, mix, you'll have an interesting take on it. So the floor's yours. Well, I picked through it, and to be honest, um, in terms of the facts, there was nothing in there that really surprised me. Um, you know, the, the financial numbers are where they should be. You know, we should have reduced income this year because of COVID. We should have possibly making a loss or just breaking even because of COVID, right? Yeah. Our numbers, a lot of a lot of a lot of fuss was being made in in the local press about oh Celtic are losing money. No, they're not. Let's just put that to bed right away. Celtic are not losing money. They're just not making as much as they did last year because nobody is, right? Exactly. That's an important point that needs to be put across. Um, you know, the usual bloody bedwetters in the media can't wait to get the boot into Celtic on anything. And they've just, they've not bothered to research the, the nuance of this at all. Right. Um, now, I don't take issue with what was in the statement, but I do take issue with the way some of it was said. Like you said, second in the league is a highlight <laughs> when we're going for 10 in a row. Mm. Um, guys, We've used this expression many times before. Read the fucking room, right? That's not what fans want to hear. It's not what fans want to hear when we're in the situation we're in. In Scotland, most of us are still stuck in the house. Um, no chance of seeing a game anytime soon. Um, team are still not they're winning games, but still not performing anywhere near the level we should. Meanwhile, Rangers are starting to stagger, but they still haven't been beat yet. Um, 
And there is a genuine question beginning to arise of, will they even lose a game this season? Uh, I think they will, but there's, a, there's an increasing chance they won't the closer we get to the end of the season. So really, this whole statement, the facts of it were not up for debate. The facts of it are undeniable. But the way it was presented was not good. The the fact that it lacks anything at all about the supposed review of first-team management that was supposed to happen at the end of January, um, that has just been brushed under the carpet completely, it would seem. Um, it's, it's sending out the wrong message. There was no attempt made in any of that to actually address the things that fans are worried about. Right. Oh, okay, we won the Scottish Cup. Yeah, that, that was that was two months ago, right? And we've had about we've had about a dozen crises since then, right? Time goes on, um, but the the board are still trying to dine out on something that, like you said, Jared, officially was last season. That was not this season. That was a conclusion of something that should have happened last season. And I just don't like the fact that the board are just not listening or they're giving the impression that they're not listening at all to what fans actually are feeling and they're in for rude awakening because I know a lot of fans now again it's easy to say oh I know I'm only talking to a few hundred people here but it's still it's a, it's a number and these are people who have been season ticket holders for years and they're all like I'm not going back I'm not renewing my season ticket until I see that, it's got, that the money is actually going to be spent on something that's going to put the team forward and now with with the, the, the statements and then it leading into Neil Lennon signing a young boy from down south and talking about building his team for next season, <laughs> um, that's got a lot of fans riled as well. I love Neil Lennon, guy's a legend, but it's time for him to go. And it has been since about October. And were it not for the pandemic and the fact that there's no fans there to be calling for his head, he would have been out the door months ago. That's, that's a fact. 100%. Celtic board are milking this whole situation to get away with absolute murder at the moment. Yeah, there was another so what are you guys? There was another statement that came out afterwards as well. So the chairman's message to supporters, which you've just touched on mm. there. And I'll throw to you on that one, John, because you put, you shared a post in the Facebook group about that. So I'll leave that one with you. Yeah, um, I thought that, <clears throat> I know a lot of people were saying it was just complete waffle. Um, yeah, and just and not really saying much and doing that very markety thing where you try and you try to say things in a mitigating way and try and deflect blame. I actually think what they they said a lot. And I think what they said, um, Banky said, was just unacceptable, to be honest, for me. Um so he was basically implying that because of COVID, none of the decisions that they made were um, were out of line with what they could do. Um, they basically said that um, all of the circumstances were um, blamed on on COVID. None of, n nobody could have seen these things, and and it really isn't our fault. That was the implication of the entire thing that he was saying. It's not our fault. It's my fault. What I also thought was really really um apparent was when they were when they discussed their support for lennon and that he, he said in the statement that they've done it multiple times he actually also said that because of covid there's nobody else he didn't say those exact words but that was the implication 
So that's, that's, that was what that, was inferred. That was there, yeah, exactly. That was the inference. Well, we only have Lennon. There is no other candidates. There's nobody else who's moving anywhere for a job like that. And I thought that was, and I think that was really telling. And it was interesting to say that in the same paragraph, or at least page, where you're, where you're also saying outright we've supported our manager multiple times by also implying that there isn't actually anybody else, guys. Like, you're going to have to fucking suck this one up because it's, it's, all, it's all we can get right now. So there's anybody that's doing it right now. Um, yeah, not our fault, not our fault. He's the only manager we can get just now. And I think that's just completely unacceptable. I've, and nobody's picked it up. Nobody. I've not noticed anybody. Might just be my interpretation of what they were saying, but... I'm laughing here because I, I thought the same thing was spot on because... And this was my thoughts. Like, you're saying you interpreted it the exact same way I did where it was like, there's no one else. But for me, it's like, there's no one else. But Motherwell can sack their manager or leave him and they can find someone. St. Johnson can do the same. Um, or... One of them, one of the others can do it. Livingston mm. can have the same thing happen. Like, there's been multiple clubs change managers during the season, both here and in England. So to infer that we're stuck with these guys, there's no one else, is a shambles. It's just not good enough. It's being asleep at the wheel, as we've spoken about numerous times during the season. I and agree. It's disappointing. The, the only other thing I'll say is, um, and... I don't know. I don't understand what else they could have done. To be honest, there is nothing else they could have said um, when they said that they kind of still believe that they're going to win the league this year. I mean, of course. I mean, I don't think they actually believe that, but that they have to say that, right? They have to say until it's mathematically fact that we haven't. They're always going to say that we are massively disappointed, but we still hope and all that shit. Yeah, it, it wasn't the it was wasn't the greatest statement. The only thing I, I think I'll say is about. Um, uh, the financial stuff is, I think people need to understand the difference between income and revenue. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Joby. Yeah. That sums it all up. <laughs> I had to. I'm like, uh, Sean's not on this week. We've got to throw a, a little, you know, sound effect in there for him. Joby. <laughs> no, it was, um, yeah, there's like, I said the PLC statement um, was a collection of words like those telling you, trying to tell you stuff without, you know, giving you too much information. And then Bankier's statement was a whole bunch of spin, a whole bunch of we'll, we'll tell you 10% of what's happening instead of 100% of what's happening, you know, you know, drop you a few crumbs here and hope that keeps people off our case. And then that classifies as, you know, where, um, you know, communicating with the fan base. Yeah. And he mentions in the, in the statement about we see the posts on social media, all this sort of stuff. So they mention that for all those people doing the Lenny out pitches. Now, you touched on it before, Liam, about, um, was it Liam Shaw being signed? Yeah. And I'm looking at that going, that means one of, one of three scenarios is happening in my head, either director of football's coming in, which is what the all the talk is, and Lenny's being kept on so it's not a complete clean break at the end of the season. It'll be new new CEO, director of football, and then you'll have Lenny next season, and then they'll bring in someone the season after that. That that thought gives me the fear. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, me too. The, the next option is 
they keep Lenny until the end of the season and then you completely reset it. In an ideal world with how things are at the moment, I'd take that. Yeah. The other option, the least likely of those, what I think, is once we've mathematically cannot win the league, Lenny will leave by mutual consent and they'll have an interim, whether it's Kennedy or Strachan or someone see out the season. That's probably the only other one of those three options. That's what I'm thinking we're going to, the situations we're going to see. It's going to be one of those three. Yeah. And if it's the first one, I've got the fear, not just for this season, but for next season as well, because we're going to lose, being realistic, you'll lose I, you'll lose Edward, you'll probably lose Christy. An offer might come in for Cal Mack. So there's there's four straight away. You lose all those loan players we have and people who are out of contract, you're probably down 12 players. Now, yeah. do you see any of those guys that have been loaned out coming back in under Lenny and getting a run of games? I don't see Lenny playing Jack Hendry. I don't see him bringing Shred back in and playing him. I don't. If he's not even playing Luke O'Connell now or even putting him out on loan, what chance does he have? Will Afalabi get a run, get a chance in the team next year? Will Kamala get to step up? If a Yeti's fit to play one minute and then the next minute he's like dropped for three games, for what reason? Will Griffiths get runs? Who knows? If if it's Lenny, I don't think he's going any of that. That'll happen. But if someone else comes in and it's a fresh start, great. Now I know I'm on a bit of a rant, so it's, I don't mind. I had the um. <laughs> I was watching 67 Hail Hail channel on YouTube today and they had an interview with, I think it's David Webb, who's one of the guys linked with us for the director of football role, who used to work with Eddie Howe down at Bournemouth and has worked at Tottenham and with Pochettino, worked with him at Southampton as well, was at um, Huddersfield with David Wagner, who's another guy that I like and would think would be a good fit with us as well. That video goes for about... 18, 20 minutes. If anyone out there listening does not know specifically what a director of football role is and what it entails, go and check out that video on YouTube. That will, you know, sharpen the mind on exactly what that role entails and what the manager will be doing and how they work together. Because I thought I knew what it was. Turns out what I thought it was is probably only 40% of the job. Hmm. Yeah. There you go. So, with that in mind, in the statement, <laughs> what did did that mean that the um, review was completed that they promised us back a couple of months ago? And that, Apparently as you said, so. there's nothing to see here. Yeah. Apparently, somebody no. tweeted the SLO and had said, is that the review? And he said, I believe so. So that's that. Yeah, I think they just took the Japanese government approach of uh, ignore the problem until it goes away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Basically, what they tried to do. They think, oh, think... we've won five games. Maybe they'll forget about all the games we lost before that now, you know? I don't think that's a, a Japanese government thing. I think that's, that's German, uh, many places. Deflected <laughs> no, denied until it happens. That is very much a Japanese government thing, right? <laughs> they started the vaccination program yesterday. Right, because we did three months to see if Japanese people had any unique reactions to it that nobody else in the fucking world does. Right, (laughs) everything is a problem with these people. Anyway, 
There you go. Before I get deported, I might as well just get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> All those little bugs and mics that are in your room <laughs> from the Japanese <laughs> government. That's you just red flagged. No, I mean, maybe not red flagged because that's, you know, they don't like those flags, but yeah. I'm not looking at a scarf up there. It looks like it's got Russian or something on it going. That's probably where the bug would be, if anything, in his room. Oh, Jez, the calf scarf. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a game on Sunday, UK time, Celtic versus Ross County. Liam, what are you expecting to see for the game? Goals, hopefully. Um, yeah, uh, I think uh, going in recent form, two or three nil Celtic. Uh, you, I think Tom? we'll, I think we'll win comfortably. Um, Ross County obviously gave us problems earlier on in the year, um, but I don't see that happening again. I think it's like St. Martin. I think they had their one game where they caught us cold, and they won't do it again. What do you think for the game, John? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, my only worry is I think other teams can smell blood when they play Celtic now. Uh, so I'm going to say 3-1. And I think it's going to be 1-1 at half time, And then we'll settle. And, you know, a bit of magic maybe from Edouard again. Because he's actually starting to have a little bit of form again. Well, I won't say form, but he's scoring and he's happy. And he's still, you know, is he not the highest scorer in the league? Yeah, still? he's already yeah. there. We think he's had a shocking season and then you look at him and he's his top scorer in the league again. He just turns it on for like a week-long period. I mean, that's not bad though. See, even in, I mean, no, even objectively, right, he's had a shit season and he's still fucking top scorer. That shows you how good he is. But yeah, anyway, that's what I reckon. 3-1. Yeah, I'll look at it and go, his, um, the window is shut. He knows he's not going anywhere this season and suddenly he's like, oh, well, that weight's off my shoulder. There's no move coming. He's suddenly playing with a smile on his face and moving around the pitch a lot easier. So looks like Everywhere. whatever was going on in here is no longer there. So I'm saying an Eddie hat trick on the weekend. Cool. And mm. Turnbull to keep up his goal scoring will win 4-1. I'd be happy with that. I just think it's, okay. a funny, it's a funny time for a game though. Like, because for us it's on Monday at 6.30am over here and there's 11-hour difference. So what's that, 7.30 Sunday night over there? That is weird. Up at Ross County. It's an away game too, I think. So it's a very strange time for a, a Sunday game. Might be TV deals or something. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, 4-1. We'll get the win. Looking forward to it. Unless you boys have got anything else you want to add, we'll just, uh, you know, wrap some stuff up. No, apart from it's good that we're winning games again in a row as well. Five in a row. Back to old yeah. Three in a row. There it is. All right then. So as we mentioned earlier, everyone, if you're on Facebook, jump on, find Celtic Down Under, the group and our page. Give them both a like and a follow. Uh Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. Yeah. Um Looking forward to the game on the weekend. Hope we keep winning and um yeah, everyone, when you watch the video, I hope you enjoyed Liam's Power Rangers top. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How, how, guys? How, how? How, how? 
When was the last time you shaved that quarantine bush in your pants? Support for Celtic Down Under is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Good news is, Manscaped has just launched in Australia. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products here in Australia. Manscaped have redesigned their electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The trimmer is also waterproof which allows you to groom in the shower. It also has an LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've upgraded the engine to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me to speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CDU20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CDU20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code CDU20. Crikey mate, it's time to shave those balls.